This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, head over to BigHeadsMedia.com. Spooky. Hi there, folks, and welcome to TV Tuners. It's a television podcast for the true fanatics, usually. I'm your host, Swanson. With me, as always, is my co-host and uh, weirdo owner of a hotel, Stairmaster. Look at this painting. It is of the man who died. We are valorizing his proletarian contributions to mountaineering. Oh, uh, all right, that's cool and all. I'm just here to see it. I heard a crime was happening. Oh, would you like to meet my dog? He's incredibly intelligent. Good dog. Ruff! All right, good on him. <laughs> uh, and of course, with us as always is our other co-host and, uh... Secret uh, hitman, Kiorain. Listen, I'm doing crimes. I'm teaming up with aliens. It's crazy, man. This is insane. Is that us off the chain? Let's yeah, let, yeah. I don't think I'm gonna kill some people. Oh. Was he teaming up with the aliens? I thought he was killing the aliens. Uh, I guess I don't. I don't know. Yeah, the plot got away from me at a little bit at a certain point. <laughs> you know that movie, like from the '80s, where the Hispanic gang, like, recruits a robot that escaped and teaches it to do crime. Uh, we're not talking about, um, Short Circuit, are we? I, maybe? Is that Short Circuit? Short, I mean, I don't think Short Circuit, the original, has a movie, has has a scene where Johnny Five gets recruited into a gang. But, I don't know, maybe Short Circuit 2 does. I don't know. But that's what it's like. I don't know what you're talking about at all. I'm a I'm a novice to film and television, as you guys know. Uh, well, Short Circuit was a um, very shitty, from my from my remembrance, uh, movie about an experimental military robot that gets struck by lightning and gains human-like intelligence. Popular, mm. of course, for the catchphrase "Number Five, or rather Johnny Five, is alive. Oh yeah, Short Circuit Two. It's that movie I'm talking about. Yeah. That was probably racist, right? Probably. I do know that... uh, Well, actually, it was super racist, right? Don't they have a guy... Don't they have a white dude pretending to be, like, an Indian? (laughs) What? You think that... Where are they going to find an Indian actor? Swanson, come on. India? Uh Uh-oh. The whole country... (laughs) The whole country had him. I'm sorry, Hank has... Hank area has bills to pay Swanson. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Alright, so we... Um, this is a bonus episode of TV Tuners sponsored by Buy Me A Coffee. Uh, someone... Uh, our, our good pal, uh, friend from Estonia, a listener from Estonia, Martin. Real country, I can't believe it. Yeah, a real, a real nation that exists and uh, seems like a pretty cool place. Uh, our... Listener from Estonia, Martin, gave us this suggestion of a uh, Estonian film called Dead Mountaineers Hotel. And by cool, we mean strictly cold. Yes, I mean literally cool. Like 10 degrees Celsius. Yeah. Um, I mean, it is cool that we have like a listener in Estonia. If there's any more Estonian listeners, sure, be sure to uh, hit us up on Twitter and such. Maybe you can dub our podcast so we can get a yeah. wider audience. I, I just like the idea of us having international listeners of any of any stripe. So if you if you're abroad, not in America or Canada, 
you're, we don't, we don't, and if you're not in the North American region, let us know. If you know people in Iran who listen to podcasts, please share us with them. Yeah, we we need more we need more Bosnian <laughs> listeners, in my opinion. Yeah, oh, I was that. hoping that we could get. <laughs> don't say that you're gonna scare off the Croatians. <laughs> I was hoping that we could get a lot of listeners from like Istanbul. <laughs> don't you mean Constantinople? No, it's not Constantinople. Oh, <laughs> well, now we lost a Greek audience. Well, listen, it's nobody's business but the Turks. Is there some kind of sectarian conflict between, on, like, well, not- <laughs> between podcast listeners and other countries? Like they don't, yeah, they don't like the idea that a rival country <laughs> is listening to the same podcast as them. I, listen, I'm not saying that we can bring about peace between Israel and Palestine. But I'm saying we I don't can't. think we could hurt things. I think if every single person in both locations listened to our podcast, we could fix the problem. Yeah, listen. All I'm saying is let them listen to TV tuners. Well, I can't listen to Palestine because, you know, <laughs> the electrical grid is bombed out. Well, we could, we, we could like, have, like, Drop some like radios down from a. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sure they'll love that. A bunch of planes flying over their towns, dropping stuff. <laughs> we can drop some. We can drop some cassette tapes down that have TV tuners episode or best ofs on them. Oh, that's what we should be doing—a TV tuners best of clip show. The on cassette. Yeah. I'm in general. Yeah, but we 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 have to mention at the beginning that Israel is apartheid oh. before we get started, though. Yes. Well, yeah, of course. Before we start talking about this Estonian film. But what will we say on the Israeli cassette tapes? Um, you are correct. Keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> we would say we would say Israel is apartheid, but that's fine. We're not going to judge. <laughs> God's plan. We don't judge. Only God does. And I'm sure he's totally cool with what you're doing. Anyway, uh, yeah, so this was brought to us by Martin over at Buy Me a Coffee. Uh, you too can support us on Buy Me a Coffee and get a bonus episode of your own based on anything you want us to talk about. A single coffee gets you a single uh, episode or topic for us to discuss, a movie of some sort, perhaps, like this. Uh, so yes, it is Dead Mountaineers Hotel. I was given an email uh, from Martin about Dead Mountaineers what? Hotel that has some fun facts in them. Should I go through them now, or do we want to save it for the end? Why don't you bring them up when they're relevant? Uh, because, I don't know. They're all over the place? Okay, let's bring them up now. Alright. I want the details immediately. Inject them right in here. No, don't do it! Oh, well, I'm getting the, I'm getting the, uh, the syringe ready here, so, uh, prepare yourself, Gary, right? If you want to, like, look away, or, This is just, like, the corner. Uh, hello. (laughs) I thought I'd give some additional context about the movie, because I'm pretty sure that you can't find out that much from the English information on the internet. So there are some interesting things about the film. It's the first sci-fi film made in Estonia. Uh, wow. The authors of the original novel are the same ones who made uh, Roadside Picnic, oh. which is the uh, uh, adaptation, which is ad- ad- which is later adapted into uh, the in- the famous Tarkovsky movie Stalker, mm. which came out the same year actually as this. Ooh. So we can tell why one. So one kind of got overshadowed by the other, I think. 
Um, now, I, I don't think I've seen Stalker, but, you know, I've heard good things. I played Stalker on the personal computer. I think those are different <laughs> things. They're loosely inspired. I watched uh, Stalkers starring no. Dylan McDermott. What? Oh, I also watched what? that. Is Stalker anything like that? Stalkers does have anomalies like black people teleporting around. No, that no, that's hostages. Oh, interesting. Shit. But Never yes, the uh, the same duo is behind the uh, novel Dead Mountaineers in uh, oh. as they are with uh, the 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 film Stalker. So that's good. Uh, also, the film Stalker twice as long as the one we watched today. So, well, so thanks, it was the. It was the Snyder cut of its age. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Well, this one was also that's crazy. Old. Most Russian movies were four by three, I think, until like the late nineties. Yeah. They didn't change over to sixteen by nine like American theaters did. Here's the part that I think is the most interesting from these factoids that uh, Martin supplied us with. The soundtrack was made by a 22 year old Sven Grunberg using the first synthesizer in the Soviet Union. Oh. Yeah, I think by that point, the America had like an ex- embargo on electronic exports to the Soviet Union, which kind of just strangled their computer industry in the, gra- the cradle. Dang. Brutal. Well, they're doing a lot of firsts with this. First uh, sci-fi, first synthesizer. This is, uh, wow. Yeah. Apparently, Grimberg became uh, something of a popular figure in Estonia because of his uh, use of synthesizers, and he was apparently a prog rock composer, so I figured Stare would be into his that stuff. That explains fucking everything about this movie's score. <laughs> uh, yeah, what, what do we think about this movie's score? Oh, this guy really liked, this guy really yeah. liked Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, I can tell. <laughs> I was, I'm a sucker for a synth soundtrack, so I kind of liked it, but... Yeah. Okay, this is an odd reversal for our usual roles where you guys are like, oh yeah, there was music in that. Where I I didn't really you... notice the music too much. The fucking well, synthesizer like... was like going hog wild. Yeah, the opening is just like the synthesizer all up all up in the space. Where you just okay, like... that's the opening though. That's the opening. Like You expect to see, you hear some music so What about the, the dance right? scene? Okay, yeah, the dance scene, sure. But that was actually a scene where music was... Pre- it was... It was actually being played. Um, Also, we should mention, uh, I think part of the reason that this movie uh, got suggested to us by Martin is that it has a really rad uh, cover. Poster, I guess. Oh, fuck yeah. Uh, Keo, do you want to explain this poster to the audience? Yeah, so first of all, there's there's a humanoid face. Um, This is a... it's, It's in black and white. And basically the top of this individual's cranium is like a socket with like a European style plug (laughs) kind of like sockets. The plug's kind of like not plugged in, but kind of like about to be plugged in or just unplugged, something like that. And he's just looking down kind of sad with, with a hand to the face. Just there's, there's some men shall become demons energy to this. Yeah. Eastern yeah. European po- film posters are awesome in general. Have you ever seen the one for Return of the Jedi, where it's just Darth Vader's helmet exploding? Dang, that's crazy. That's that's cool. That slaps actually. Yeah. Um. Yeah. The 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 poster for this. If I saw this poster, I would definitely buy whatever was attached to it. Uh, I don't like think it was unseen. like a. 
I think it was like an album cover. I saw it. Yeah, it does look like a... Oddly enough, it does look like a prog rock album cover. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I I would say that my opinion of the score in this one is that it had... It had restraint, I think. Oh, okay. Unlike the Snyder Cut. Unlike the Snyder Cut. I yeah, mean, where would you put Ancient def- Lamentations in this movie? Near the end? When they're riding away? <laughs> Except, yeah. I would play as soon as the helicopter comes on into view. And then, yes. You just hear the yeah. whoop, whoop, whoop of the helicopter When I say restraint, I mean, I mean the score knew when to shut up and let the characters talk. Mm, true. So that was good. What would you do if the police officer guy opened his mouth and only synthesizer music came out? I was like, wow. Bold choice. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, so the final bit here, um, Martin says, the shots of the mountains were actually filmed in Kazakhstan. Oh, that... Oh, that's kind of strange. I figured it would be like the caucus or something. Yeah. Also, this is, uh, I guess this isn't supposed to actually take place in Estonia. It says it's set in a fictional Western country. So, interesting. Um, huh. Also, the lead actor, uh, apparently these aren't his, this isn't his voice. <laughs> uh, he doesn't. He didn't speak Estonian, so his lines were dubbed by an, act, an Estonian uh, actor. Sort of like Wagner, yeah. not knowing Portuguese or Spanish. Yeah, I, I noticed that. I was like, wait. Okay, I know, I don't know this language, but those math flaps don't match. <laughs> yeah, this guy had some charisma. He's like a Eastern European Harrison Ford. Yeah, he's got, a, yeah, I was getting real Decker vibes from this whole, from his whole spiel. Of course, he's way less cool than Decker because he ends up being uh, well, a complete, a completely subservient well, cop. I mean, Decker also is a subservient cop who gets his ass kicked a bunch by robots. I guess that's true. In a way... This is sort of a proto Blade Runner. Was it Blade Runner in 1977? Uh, I thought. I think it was 1980. Blade... Never mind, I'm stupid. Yeah. The, the prediction might have overlapped. I mean, the movie, the the novel per, per, precludes this novel, which was written in 1970. So. Mm-hmm. Um. But anyway, yes. This uh, it, this has the similar feel of Blade Runner in the sense that it is a combination of science fiction and noir. Noir. But um, it's all set in one location, so it doesn't feel quite as sprawling. Also, it's not set in like a futuristic timescape. It's just a random uh, set in Western country. West. Yeah, it's set in the mountains, which might as well be a barren landscape. How is this dystopian? Well, yeah, I would actually say it West. seems like a it seems like a relatively utopian place until the inspector shows up. What you think about? Yeah. yeah, it's a scenic shack in the snowy mountains where various died. cultures, where various cultures seem to be able to mingle with no issues whatsoever, until a yeah. figure of conformity and authority shows up and ruins it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we'll talk more. We'll talk more about that at the end. I think. So yes, we are uh, we are introduced to uh, Inspector uh, Globeski. Globetsky. Kobleski. You're right. Um, he is, says he's a uh, he's recounting uh, in perfect noir fashion. He is recounting the events uh, that we are about to see transpire. Uh, I guess to us, but we don't know who he's actually talking to. Mm-hmm. He says that he um, he thinks about it in sleepless nights and on slow shifts, yeah. and says that he's still not sure if he's right or not. <laughs> 
Um, and, and perhaps he comes to his own conclusions by the end. So, uh, yeah, this place that he's going to is called the Dead Mountaineers uh, Hotel, which, fellas, I gotta ask, if, you, if you're going to a hotel, you go to a place that has dead in the title? No. You're gonna steer clear of that, I think. I, it depends on what the oh. other words are. Okay, what if it's Dead Mountaineers? Mm, maybe. Uh, yeah, he gets an anonymous call. Uh, we are just following this dude in the car as the synth soundtrack is just going wild. Uh, like, we're just riding along with this guy for a good two minutes. It's also sort of like The Shining. When they're driving yeah, it, it definitely uh, it definitely feels like The Shining. It's a weird hotel. It's in a frozen wasteland. Yeah, there's a definite there's a definite shining vibe to this. I could see you would you could I I could see Stephen King watching this and being inspired oh. to write a. Oh yeah, I guess this was before The Shining, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, this is definitely a movie that you come across at like two a.m. and you're just completely like you're half awake, like fascinated and frightened all at the same time. Okay, The Shining came out in 1980, so that the production probably also overlapped this. So there was yeah, just something going on. Out. It's just this cultural zeitgeist of the time that people wanted frozen wastelands and people in hotels going insane. And robots. Yeah, no, noted robots in The Shining. Yeah, well, crazy scene in The Shining where those two robots are giving each other head. <laughs> there's, a, there's a pretty strong historical basis for something going on, obviously, with technology, right? Uh, yeah, well, probably. Well, not caveman times. I mean, we were kind of, like, doing some pretty amazing technology stuff at that time. And still are doing it. Yeah, we're, yeah. We've, we've collected rocks at a whole new level. Like, you know, we didn't have internet when, when these movies were being made. True. Like, household internet didn't was not a thing. True. I would argue that this movie and The Shining, while they have somewhat similar basis for what's going on, are getting at two completely different points. I don't think this one is uh, asking us to think about, like, the mental conditions of anybody, really. Even though uh, it sort of does no. feel like this guy's losing his mind. Uh, yeah, for sure. Like, there's certain parts where it definitely feels like this guy is slowly becoming unhinged. Uh, he's being forced to question reality uh, in a very distressing way. Yeah. Um, so yes, he goes to this place, the Dead Mountaineers Hotel. He received a uh, anonymous call to head there, um, and yeah, he gets there. He finds out that actually there is no uh, anonymous call necessarily. He's just heading out. Uh, he just got a he, he he got a false tip. Uh, he decides to stay though because the mountains are foggy, which I think is a lie. <laughs> um, yeah, this is what we call a, a epic prank in a. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, have someone drive all the way out to these mountains so that he can just sort of hang out. Oh, uh, I think he meant the lying to your boss part. Oh, yeah. No, I meant the part where he got the anonymous tip as the prank. Oh. Lying to your boss to get off work is decidedly not a prank. It's not. It's practice. There's no mischief involved. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so they uh, the hotel manager explains that the... Uh, the, it's it's got its name from a climber who died when he fell off the cliff and left only his fateful dog, which is the dog that we see throughout here. 
Uh, it's a very skilled dog, by the way, able to take bags to the to one place from one place to another on a command. It it knew the number too, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. He held he held up his fingers, and the dog knew exactly where to take. That it. is an incredibly intelligent dog. Like that's something yeah. that you teach monkeys, not dogs. If you told me that dog was an alien, I would have believed it. I'm still not yeah, sure. Maybe that was maybe it was hinting something. With maybe the, that dog, the dog is was. the thing. And it's just biding its time. I mean, if you're reading, if this dog is in the book, that's such a weird element to include. It had, it would have uh, had to been intentional on the author's part, I think. I don't yeah, think, most likely. I don't think there's a dog in the book, from what I can tell. Ruined. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, maybe there's a dog in the book, he just doesn't factor into the plot, like, this dog doesn't really I mean, factor into the plot. There was a very plot. important character moment um, in, this, in, the, in this scene, where the dog brings his bag to the room. And yeah. for a brief moment, I thought he wasn't going to pet this this good boy. Yeah, luckily I was thinking, he, if he, he does. Yeah, if he, did, if he didn't pet this good boy, I would have been like, this guy's a sociopath. Yeah, you would have known from the beginning that there was problems with this guy and not near the end. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so, yeah, he goes and uh, he, he meets up with, he sees uh, a lot of the lodgers here. They're real strange individuals. Um, yeah, what this the guy, the closest? yeah, this guy who's hanging outside in the cold, uh, named Hinkus. Yeah. They're they're not just uh, Eastern European strange. They're just actually strange. Yeah, they're not just like strange in the way that like foreigners are strange to us. Uh, they're strange in like a very uh, twin, a very Lynchian, a David Lynchian way that they're strange. Um, yeah, Hinkus is, uh, he says he has tuberculosis, which I'm pretty sure is a lie. Um, and yeah, he's just sort of hanging out in the cold. And, uh, the inspector's like, huh, oh, alright, weirdo. Also, the inspector sees him throwing something in the snow. Oh, yeah. investigate. Yeah. Um, later he is hanging out with the, uh, the rest of the lodgers. We get introduced to, uh, there's Mr. and Mrs. Moses, who are a group of weirdos. <laughs> I wonder why they have the name Moses. I don't know. They don't that's seem to they lead do. anyone anywhere like the biblical Moses. Well, they are leading their other, their fellow alien and robot away, attempting to anyway. Oh, I guess. Um, and then there's Olaf, who is uh, infatuated with um, Brune. I think is her name. She's uh, she's described as the owner's. Do- uh, uh, cousin or like yeah. uh, or like she's something a, like that. She's a quattro Regina type. She's always wearing sunglasses. Yes. Um, and she has no respect for authority. Mm-hmm. Which is cool. Um, anyway, yeah, they're, uh, they're very much in love apparently. Um, that's love. good. Good for, good for them. Have you ever fallen in love with a robot, guys? No. Oh, you know it. Yeah? How would that go for you, Kyo? <laughs> Not great. Oh, all right. You, who, who'd you fall in love with, the Crushinator? Yeah, it was pretty bad. Mm, no good. Uh, yeah. So he uh he has dinner with all these strange folk, and uh, it's a real wild time. They're dancing to Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. Uh, it's wild. Uh, there's a lot of just crazy visuals that get thrown in here, which makes it feel even more like I'm watching like the last thirty se- the last thirty minutes of Easy Rider. Um, 
Also, there there's a scene where they're playing where he's playing uh, the inspector's playing pool against Olaf, and Olaf is like Uncle Phil in that one episode of uh, Fresh was Prince of Bel Air. <laughs> yeah, it was Uncle Phil who was just who just crushed the guy at pool. Oh. I remember that classic scene. He was like Jeffrey, bring out Lucille. Oh yeah, Jeffrey's the one who knows martial arts. Yeah, that's his secret display of competency. Yeah, I'm curious about this uh this billiard set that. Was it just me or were all the pieces the same? Yeah, it was all the same balls, so I don't know how they knew who was winning. Is it just like you get a certain number and you win? The dog was keeping track. <laughs> I guess, yeah, I don't know. I guess it's maybe maybe this is like a, a different way of playing pole than how uh, I've ever played it. Yeah, it's, it's got to be different. Otherwise, they just didn't have a, an actual set to play with, and they just... Winged it. I guess you just. I guess you just get as many as you can in, and then you don't. As long as it's not the ball that you struck with to break. I guess. I and know. if you get more than half, and you win, I don't know. Oh, whatever. Whatever was whatever he needed to do. Olaf did it, and he won handily. Well, if if Martin can explain this in another email, that would be fantastic. Uh, all right. Well, we'll see if he sends that in before the end of the episode. <laughs> Better hurry. Uh, yeah, so, um, he gets a mysterious note that says that, uh, Hankus is planning a murder. Uh-oh. Uh, so he, uh, he leaves to go check this out, and he find uh, he thinks Hankus is right where he left him, but it's actually just, like, a blanket that he put some snow, that he used some snow to make it look like he's still hanging out there. Classic. Classic Hankus. That's um, a real classic prank right there. Yeah. At, this is around the point where things start getting real wild. Like, not real wild, but things start getting afoot. Uh, there's a strange visitor who they find. An, an avalanche happens first off, and things get uh, completely blacked out. Oh, yeah, out. and this guy at the cops' fault as well, because he's just screaming hinkus. Yes. <laughs> yeah, not a great way to do your motives here. Here, If you know oh, the, I... that hinkus is on the loose, I don't think you go around screaming, hinkus! Also, hinkus! Well, Wasn't yeah, the mountaineer killed in an avalanche? No, he fell yeah. off a cliff. Because of an avalanche, I think? It was an avalanche that killed the mountaineer, yes. yes. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, so they um, they also find a strange uh, visitor who was in the, in the avalanche, maybe? I don't remember how they find this guy. He was just in the snow? Yeah. Yeah, he was just out, out, out in the open... With hypothermia. Yeah. I think and he's just like passed out and they're like, huh, what's this dude's whole deal? And he's like, I was here to see Olaf. Uh, and so he goes searching for Olaf and finds his dead corpse. And then we get this series of events where he's just like running from room to room, like meeting up with people, seeing people tied up. Yeah, Hinkus is, t- uh, is tied up. And uh, a lot of this um, middle portion... Yeah, he's bound and gagged. A lot of this middle portion is... Him trying to like we're we're trying to unravel the mystery along with him in real time. It's kind of fever dreamish, yeah. yeah. At this point, because he's going from room to room, the passage of time makes no sense, really. Like at the one stories point, he's getting don't make sense as well. Yeah, like at one point he says it's like eleven, and then it's like three a.m. He talks to the climber guy. The climber guy says he walked in on the lady, and she just fell yeah. over and was bald. But the room's empty when they go there. Oh no! She, the room's not yeah, empty. She's, she's alive and well. Yes. Also, yeah. like, why was that climber guy naked when he found him, but in the yeah. flashback, fully clothed? 
yeah, there was this was not asked. He was just like, yeah, this this story doesn't make sense. Time to investigate. Yeah. Uh, there's also a bit where he finds out that um, Brune is lying to him about Olaf about when he, uh, she and Olaf parted ways. Mm-hmm. And also, there is the briefcase from Pulp Fiction. Yeah, there's a briefcase which has like a, bun- a weird sort of flesh-like contraption inside of it or something. It's hard to make out what it actually is supposed to be, but we find out at the end what it is. Um, so yeah, he uh, he gets this briefcase, and he's like, yeah, strange stuff. I don't know what this briefcase does. He's like, anyway, I will keep it because I am an authority figure. Yeah, he just locks it up and has the dog guard it, which is probably yeah. a very good move. Yeah, no one else you could trust other than the dog, unless he's a thing creature. In which case, you've given him exactly what he wanted. Falling right into his trap. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, I gotta... Fellas, you ever kiss someone and then their wig falls off? Yeah. It's no uh, good. Yeah, then they're dead. Usually I'm on the other th- end of that. And I'm the, and I'm the prime suspect. Uh, there's a bit here where he's uh, talking to Hankus again after he's untied him. And, uh, also, he walks into Hankus' room after untying him, and he has to duck out because Hankus throws, like, a bowl at, it, at the door. <laughs> um, anyway, he's talking with Hankus, and Hankus is like, I don't think you understand what I'm saying to you. I was attacked by myself. Remember, guys, like, if you ever open the door and you see your own face... Like, they're just a doppelganger. You have to kill them immediately. Yeah, you can't no. fucking risk that. This is like a no, classic no, no. prisoner's dilemma. No, no, no. It's like, what if there's, what if it's just a second you and you could team up? That would be really cool. That's I what they want that. you to do before they kill you, Kyo, right? Yeah. You can't no. trust yourself. Yeah. But I would never kill me. That that's, would be really That's lame. what you say now until there's two of you. Then you're yeah. like, suddenly there's one disposable me. What if that you is living your life? How can you... You have to yeah. kill him. Okay, look, look, if I start thinking this way, then the other is going to think this way is going to kill me. Well, yeah, that's why you got to kill him, because we... Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, but your mind has been poisoned now. No, I've never even considered it. I think this preposterous. And also, this implies this is a perfect copy and not an evil. You're walking into a door. You know that you are you. And you yeah. walk in. There's another you. Well, but obviously, you, you're yeah. you, so that that's person's me. imposter. You can't that's be me. sure that that other person is you. Just yeah. That's like me. You. That's me, I'm going to say, Lots hey, of people can that's... look like me, but I'm me. Oh, like John Swanson? Yeah, I'd have to kill him. Unless they're, no. like, putting out, unless they are immediately like, hey, don't kill me, and then show me ID that says that they are not actually me. What if they show you the ID that shows that they are you? I would ask, I, I would probably just kill them. Okay, clear, <laughs> like, if they're older than me... That's the exception because clearly, yeah. That's a time if, if it's situation, but if like if you're an alternate version of me here for some reason to like I don't know recruit me for some weird thing that we need to do, you gotta start talking quick before I start. And if you reach into your pockets, I'm gonna I'm gonna strike. I'm not gonna give yeah. you the opportunity, so don't. Bother. Okay, what if it's you? What if it's you with a with like a different skin tone and hair color and slightly more defense offense but lower defense. <laughs> Ooh. Listen, guys, if it was me coming up on me, I wouldn't give him the chance. <laughs> wouldn't go down like that. True. 
the American version of this movie, if Mark Wait, Wahlberg, so if Mark Wahlberg was the inspector, uh, would that work? I think this would have to be yeah. Nicolas Cage. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, it would. I feel like Nicolas Cage could play Hankus. <laughs> he could play the climber. Yeah, he could either he could either play Mister Moses or he could play Hankus. But I feel like you need someone with like a weird face, like a Steve Buscemi type for oh. Mister Moses. Yeah. Um, anyway, so yes, there are two Hankuses, or Hinkai, do we call them Hinkai? A murder. A murder of Hankais, uh, who are about, apparently, and when he gets this info, he's just like, huh, well, that's weird. Uh, that's alright. Um, yeah, we start to see that the inspector is maybe not, um, willing to take in more fantastical elements to what's going on here. Oh yeah, we do get a scene at dinner where he's like, I'm a rationalist. I don't believe in aliens. Oh yeah, they have a whole conversation about aliens and whether how, how aliens have visited the the Earth or not, and he's like, "I don't believe in that." He's like, "Please, I'm a cop. I don't believe in such things." Yeah, he's like, "I believe in the law." Um, so uh, there's this weird bit here where he goes to think of, uh, about what's happening, and he's going into like a lounge area where the on the TV, I guess, news footage is playing. Yeah, some videodrome shit is happening. <laughs> yeah, it's footage of people falling off buildings. Or maybe just the same footage of a single person falling off a building. I'm not sure. I mean, there's multiple angles involved. Yeah, like I, it seemed like a news broadcast of like today suicide. Today a fire. There was no escape. <laughs> today um, a man has fallen into the city, <laughs> to the river, Lego City. <laughs> yeah, we do get to see the rescue helicopter. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Aliens are leaving. You must assemble the helicopter. <laughs> Uh, well, listen, you'll figure out what that means in a second. Uh, so th- this is around the point where, um, inspector, inspector starts getting like very, uh, just needlessly cruel and how he delves out information because he goes to, Br- <laughs> he goes to Brun, uh, Brun and is just like, Olaf is dead. He was killed. And, uh, sh- he's like, I need you to tell me the truth. Uh, so she relays that actually they were, um, I guess they were like hooking up. This what happened. How do you? Oh, well, those one detail we, we kind of glossed over is that Olaf's head was like jerked back with superhuman strength. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess. Uh, yeah, listen, you know, Grubsky is not scared at all at this proposition. <laughs> no, if I was an inspector, uh, especially a rationalist, and I saw that, I'd be like, "Holy shit!" Is the killer like a gorilla or something? Yeah, is there a gorilla let loose in here? I know they do that sometimes. I know we've posited before yes. on uh, other podcasts if you could let one loose in TGI Fridays, but in a hotel? There's more places for a gorilla to hide. The gorilla would not look, hide. Look, just, just imagine Dunstan checks in, but Dunstan wants to kill. Oh. So, so in this scenario, Dunstan does not fuck. He kills. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I think that would have been the logical sequel to that movie. Probably. Dunstan checks out <laughs> others. <laughs> uh, oh, so, no. yeah, he... Um, there's a bit here where... Uh, so, yeah, they she explains the whole situation is that um, she and Olaf are uh, fooling around. And then a what she... Trist. Yes, and then they, uh, she left him after that. Or no, the avalanche happens, and he's like, You must leave! 
Yeah, he heroically sacrifices himself. Yeah. What was that? What what, what did that, like, I, I was, the editing in some the of these scenes either. makes the things make less sense to me. I, like, did the avalanche, I guess the avalanche took out the power, so he was saying that she had to leave before she figured out he was a robot? Is that what I'm getting here? Yes. I think he did um, pretend how avalanches worked. Yeah, maybe not. I guess, yeah, because the avalanche her. was heading towards them, and he's just like, "What? this window won't stop it. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, and then, yeah, she did, She left, and now he's a dead guy. A dead mountaineer. Rest in peace. <laughs> yeah, he is a, he's a regular dead mountaineer. The kind of mountaineer who doesn't climb the mountain, just stays inside. Well, he had to climb yeah. it somewhat to get to that hotel. It's clearly above sea level. Well, I mean, yeah, he... but it's just—it's just driving a car, though. Is that—is yeah. that mountaineering to drive a car? Also, spoilers for the end of the movie. It doesn't seem like he has very much problem maneuvering around when he needs to. Um. So yeah. Uh. There's a bit here. Um. It's throwaway dialogue, but I thought it was really funny, or real fun anyway. Uh. Where he's talking about um the owner of the hotel starts talking about zombies. <laughs> Oh, where is he's this like, what this movie's about now? Yeah, where he was like, uh, some people in Central Africa believe that they can raise the dead. They're called zombies. Perhaps it's the third life of living organisms. Third stage. Third stage, yeah. Uh, and, yeah, some stupid uh, anime postulations. Yeah, he just kind of, he, he just totally, he totally no-sells this. He's like, whatever, he's like, I don't know what the fuck the, this guy's talking about, but I can't dwell on it. Uh, at this point, the um, the strange pass the strange person who came in from the cold uh, is awake now. His name is like Lorvik or something like that. Lorvik, Lorvik. Yeah, yeah. He's a regular Mario Mario situation here. Um, and yeah, if you told me that if he had just said he was straight up an alien, I feel like everyone would believe that. This dude's like a very you... a very strange fellow. Well, I eat food like he does. Just eat a whole lemon. <laughs> Just you bite into it, skin and all. Yeah, I can imagine that. Like, as soon as I get into the to the table, I just like without a moment's pause, just grab a lemon. I just grab the lemon. Yeah, and eat it. Uh, uh, Luvik seems like he's very out of it. Can barely speak to the inspector, but does say that he is here to speak with Olaf, and doesn't seem to understand that Olaf is dead, or doesn't seem to understand what that even means. <laughs> Like he he seems unconcerned with the possibility of someone being dead. Yeah, it's trying to figure out sentences. I think as well. Yeah, because uh, um, well, yeah, as we learn later, this this guy is uh, slowly dying from uh, something that happened to him, right? Yeah, his battery, his power is going down. Well, not uh, not Lorvik. Lorvik's an alien. Oh. And his suit is damaged, so like the oh, yeah. earth air is slowly killing him. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, that's what I. Yeah, that makes sense. Um. So yeah, uh, Lorvik is like, yeah, I need. To, I'm going to talk with Olaf, and he's like, you can't. Olaf's dead. He's like, I'm going to speak with him. Like, talk to him. Real, talk with him real good. We're going to have a sit down conversation. Where's he at? Let me talk to him. And he's like, all right, whatever. We're getting nothing out of this dude. Uh. So he uh he he falls asleep, um, and has like a strange dream where uh people are laughing at him as he like falls down a mountainside <laughs> yes <laughs> um he wakes up and uh he goes to breakfast 
Uh, he has a bit here where he just tries to intimidate everybody <laughs> by saying that he sent he sent for the police by pigeon, <laughs> which is like the worst lie I've heard <laughs> in my life. Yeah, they're just like, oh, like I yeah. the best part is that the film itself immediately undercuts it by having him be like, I knew it was a bad line. <laughs> Had no one respected me after. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, well, uh, dang. I knew the pigeon line was a, was a stinker, but I tried it anyway. They seemed weird enough to maybe believe it. <laughs> um, and yeah, uh, is he... this where the dog finds the gun for him? Yeah, I think this was before the breakfast, right? Yes. Yeah, it's actually I think before he even talks to Lorvik. Um, because he yeah, the dog finds the gun for him. Good dog he brings him the gun, and yeah. I understand he wants to know where it was found. Yeah. Uh, so he goes and... Yeah, what a good dog. Dang. He figures out it's right where... Uh, what was his name? Hinkle. Hinkle was Hinkus. throwing shit. Hinkus. Yeah, Hinkus is... Hinkus was throwing... Was threw it in the into the... Uh, the wilderness. The tundra. And uh, yeah, so he finds this gun. And uh, the last two people eating breakfast are just him and Hinkus. They're just having like a stare off. Uh, so then he he's like, Hinkus, why don't you come with me to my secret place where I interrogate people? So he, he takes him. It, it's just the place where they were playing pool. Um, so he takes him there and uh, Hinkus. He, he goes like, to the interrogation room like it was designated that way in the first place. Yeah, and not just a place that he made an interrogation room for specifically for Hinkus. <laughs> I got to try that. Hey, come come to the interrogation room with me. Isn't this the bathroom? I said what it was. <laughs> uh, so, mean, you get like plus ten intimidation points on that one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, he, he brings Hinkus there, and he's like, "Hinkus, you're gonna tell me everything you know." He take he pulls out the gun that uh, he found. Uh, Hinkus starts. Uh, this is when Hinkus reveals that he's a, a member of a hit squad. Yes. Yeah. Um. So they're referred to as terrorists, which I can't tell if that's like if it's a thing the novelist put in, or if it's a censorship because they don't want to make organized crime look cool anyway. I'm not sure. They say gangster and terrorist indiscriminately, so I don't yes. know if that's yeah. the inspector of his own bias or what. Yeah, uh, you mean interchangeably? Yes, interchangeably. Yeah, yeah. They do. Um, because in the novel, it's the same way. Hinkus is uh, a gangster who is sent by his boss to kill, or to track down, I guess, uh, the Mr. Moses, who is called the Master. And uh, apparently he had, he helped the gang do a couple of high-profile robberies mm-hmm. before running away. Um, and yeah, in this, he's referred to as the Master. In the novel, apparently, he's called Beazelbub. Which Way is cooler. That's hardcore. Way cooler crime name. Yeah. Um, also, he doesn't give a name to his boss in the book. He's called his boss is called Champion. <laughs> That's great. I love that. Um. So yeah, we uh, we don't know the whole nature of what's going on here until the end. But uh, in terms of like the the crime stuff, but yeah, Hinkus is a hitman. Essentially, he's here to track him down, and then his bosses are going to come and kill him. Essentially, he said, uh, and like the inspectors asked him, like, how many men, how many people do your, does your guy usually come with? And he's like, at least three. 
He's like, oh, okay. like, I can't take three. Yeah, like two maybe. And then we find out three, he couldn't no. even take one. No, he can't even <laughs> take Hankus. Hankus uh, beats the shit out of him and then only escapes or only gets caught because um, I don't remember this dude's name. Savelle, but, uh, the hotel guy. Yeah, he's the guy who has an infatuation with uh, Mrs. Moses. Oh, I think that's a creepy climber guy then. Yes, uh, Simonette. Simonette. Yeah, uh, he comes in and hits him with a pole with a pole stick, just cracks him over the head with it, um, and he's like, "Hey, uh, you all right?" And he's like, "Yeah, that's fine. Thank you for making sure I don't die." <laughs> Do you think he was gonna kill him right here or just knock him out? I think he would be uh, happy with either outcome. Yeah. Yeah, it was not much concern over this fate here. Um, so, yeah, the uh, the plot is slowly beginning to unravel here, and things are getting even more sort of weird uh, and intense. Uh, so, Hinkus gets caught, and uh, he's like, yeah, the, my boss is coming. The things are going to get real bad for these, for these folks, because he's going to kill them. And uh, the inspector's like, uh, not my problem. You're a criminal. You need to like. You're gonna be apprehended. Uh, and it's like, yeah, you're you're nasty crime boys. I'm a cop. You know how this goes down. Yeah. Like, there's only one way that this ends, or two ways if I have a gun. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I've been a cop for like I don't know a hundred years now. It's just how I do. He did say he so had forty years of experience. So this dude has to be pushing like fifty or sixty. Yeah. Um. So yeah, he um I forget how he what happens exactly that leads him to the room. But uh he heads into the uh, the Moses's room. I think maybe Simonette takes him there. Uh and he sees himself there. And yeah, he's uh like, with this hypnosis. Yeah, he's yeah. like he's un like he's like briefly confused and then he's just like cut the shit. Uh, and it turns back into Mrs. Moses. Yeah, that's um, the best ex- explanation you could come with. Come up with was hypnosis, not just, yeah, nothing else. Um, uh, and this is uh, where he, where Moses spills the beans here. So Mr. Moses is an alien. Uh, so is Lorvik. Lorvik is their pilot, essentially. Um, Mr. Moses came to this planet because, uh, he, as simply as an observer, but eventually he found humans too interesting, so he decided to step in. He thought they need we needed their help. Yeah, he describes human life as too complex. Um, and basically, the story here, as the novel tells it, because it's a little twisty, a little too twisty in the the uh, description of the movie itself. Uh, basically, he got conned into doing work for this gang. And then after a couple of high-profile robberies, he realized that this was not actually uh, a form of justice, and so yeah, he left. It was not friendly. Yeah. Um, which explains why uh, Hinkus says that, like, he did a job with this dude, and he said no killing. And he's like, that was so weird. He's like, why doesn't this guy let us kill? Yeah. What a weirdo. He says, if we take hostages, don't kill them? What? Um, also, uh, a, a detail that I just realized by looking at skimming the Wikipedia page of the novel, I don't know if they imply it at the end here. I guess maybe they do. Um, but apparently, uh, Hankus expects his boss to come with the plane and not just kill the aliens, but everyone at the end. <laughs> That's a little bit excessive. Um, so, I guess, uh, I guess he dooms everybody here. 
Um, anyway, so yeah, uh, the, the alien is like, uh, we need to return to our home. We're going to return to our home world or I guess just like leave. I don't know what the plan is. Um, but they're, they're not planning on sticking around is the thing. Uh, so they're going to, they're going to jet and, uh, the inspector's like, no, actually, no. No, you're all going to jail. You just told me you were a robber. You're, you're going to jail. <laughs> yeah, listen, listen, I know you just also told me you were aliens, but I don't believe that. So, I believe the part about you being criminals because, you know, been there, done that. But aliens, mm. Mm, not so much. And Simonette is like, dude, what what the fuck are you talking about? Like, did you not just see yourself? <laughs> yeah, everyone else in the hotel just turns on him at this point. Yeah, uh, especially uh, Simonette, who was like, I guess the conscience of the of this part of the movie because he is just spouting off on this dude constantly. He's like, "You're nothing but a typical cop." He call at one like point he pawn. calls him hero cop. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yells at him right after the climax. Um, he calls him a pawn too at a certain point. Uh, he's just going all in on this dude, and like he's just like, "Stop calling me that." Listen, you haven't done any crimes yet, so I can't get mad at you, but. It's like I'm a cop. I'm a proud cop. I've been a cop for forty years. This is how I. This is how I cop. Yeah, this is how you can tell it's a different country that's making this. Because if this had happened in the American version, he would have arrested Simonette and then been justified doing so. Well, Simonette would have done something like violent for no reason to justify. Yeah, being like <laughs> instead brutalized. of just instead of just yelling at him for making poor decisions. Yeah, he would have like, like. I don't know, got a knife out or threw a yeah. blade at Frisbee or something. And he would have yeah. been, yeah, just ventilated, squibs everywhere. <laughs> yeah, and he would have been like, and he, it, 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 then like the, the owner of the hotel would have been like, there's nothing you could have done. That was self-defense. That was That's what we call self-defense. Um, so yeah, um, he's, he's like, no, the aliens need to be apprehended. I'm calling it in. And, um, he goes, uh, at a certain point, he's like, listen, uh, the, we're, we're calling it in. These guys are getting, get, they're getting gone. And then I guess Simonette does technically do something violent. Cause he like break, he like breaks this dude's arm. <laughs> yeah. Um, him and the hotel guy just like try to apprehend the cop and he's like, no, Hey, what are you doing? Um, and, uh, the, they go and retrieve the briefcase and they're going to go give it to the aliens. Um, and he get he gets beaten up pretty bad, right? Because his arm is, like, in bad shape for the rest of this movie. Yeah, well, there isn't much left, but yeah. Um, but yeah, so he, uh, the aliens, uh, I guess get their robots up and running just in time. And I guess the robots just sort of serve as little scooters for them to ride across the plains on. Yeah. Just little, little motor scooters for them. They're just mushing along. <laughs> it is kind of delight. It is kind of cool to see them like riding along <laughs> on these little things, riding away to freedom uh, until a military ho- helicopter shows up <laughs> that blows and them just, up. It just blows them up. Um, so obviously, this helicopter is supposed to be play. Uh, is supposed to be champion. Uh, it's not just like a thing that the, the guy, that the detective called in. Um, and yeah, he just blows them blows them up. And uh, they're dead, and the uh, the rest of the crew in the end is just like, "You're a complete asshole, piece of shit. <laughs> why didn't you, why didn't you help them?" <laughs> um, and I, he was he's 
he had a line where he said he was relieved that this was in someone else's hands. <laughs> yeah, not his own. Uh, and unfortunately, it was in the wrong hands. He actually helped a criminal, <laughs> technically, by refusing to act. Or I don't know. Maybe that's the difference from this in the novel. Was this supposed to be a military, an actual military helicopter, or is this supposed to be the the mob guy? He seemed to think that it was the actual military. Yeah, I don't know why they would have been there though. Well, that's the thing. How? Yeah, he he says himself that he wasn't even able to contact them. So yeah. Um. Because in the novel, uh, I believe it ends the, a similar way. Uh, yeah. So they're they're dead. He's uh. And then we get top 10 mask off <laughs> moment from this guy where uh, the end, it cuts to black and white and he is talking uh, directly to the camera where he was like, listen, I was justified in everything I did. Okay. If they were listen, criminals, they had to be arrested. If they weren't criminals, they weren't human. Yeah. So uh, it's not even, tr- it's not even trying to yeah. hide it anymore. Yeah. This guy is like full on villain mode trying to like rationalize his, his poor actions to himself uh yeah, what a nasty man yeah and then it ends it ends there with him being like listen you know they're if they were if they weren't criminals then that means they weren't human and if they weren't human how am i expected to feel anything for them and uh that's that's where we end that's where we end the movie with a uh, well there's a shot of an avalanche and then that's the end right Yes. It kind of contradicts his line from the beginning, though, where he's he's saying he doesn't know if he knew what he was doing Ooh, was right. Plot hole. I think he was. I think the thing is, yeah, you can drive a truck through it. <laughs> I think. Uh, I think he's supposed to be going over it through in his own head, uh, and that's the movie that we're witnessing. Yeah. Like he, he that's him mulling it over, and at the yeah. end, he's like, "Hmm, I guess I was right." It's actually a Better Call Saul sort of scenario where the fl- it's a flashback and the black and white is the present. Yes. Something to think about. Best wishes. Um, anyway, yeah, I guess in the novel it ends the same way um, where they, um, there's an attempted getaway from the aliens and they're met by a, a helicopter and gunned down. And I guess that's just the end. So or I guess I guess we don't know whether or not Champion actually guns down everybody else or just leaves in his little helicopter and goes away. I mean, it's presumed that I guess he does just leave, right? And Mr. Cop would have been killed too, right? Yeah. So yeah, the whole plan of them leaving is uh, fruitful, fruitless. And also, he doesn't accomplish anything by letting by doing any of this. So he's actually just a huge asshole for no reason. Yeah. This. Things would have been better if he hadn't shown up. Yeah, of course. Like I said at the beginning, this is a there's some clear subtext here about like a group of uh, of non-conformists who are immediately met by a figure of authority and uh, their lives are worse for it. Yeah. Um. It's, yeah. Lesson learned. Don't call the cops. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that is uh, something we have been learning for a while now. I think. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's I think it's probably works better because this is like a Soviet era film, so there's probably definitely some uh, Soviet subtext to this, right? Mm-hmm. About about oh yeah, about their a regime tension. Yeah, um, and that that is the end of this this little film here. Well, what do we think of this bad boy? I was pleasantly surprised. I thought this was just gonna be like a 2007 slasher film or something. 
You think Martin would let us down? Yes. Oh, <gasps> bold. I don't know um, what goes on in that head of his. Yeah, who knows? Who could understand the mind of an Estonian? Are his thoughts even in English? I don't think so. Be Probably right. not. <laughs> It'd be bold for us to assume that his thoughts are in English. <laughs> um. Yeah. So, this film. First off, we got to say that this film was actually pretty hard to track down. It's no longer on YouTube. Uh, it was at a certain point on YouTube. Um. We had to. We, we had to appeal to Martin himself to give us a a, 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 a secret code <laughs> that we had to enter in. We had to get our own briefcase. Yeah. And Martin went on, like, I don't know, Soviet YouTube or something and got yeah. it. I don't know what, yeah. what happened He went there. into his local bunker and retrieved a uh, cassette tape. Yeah, he went on the Stalin tube and found it. Yeah. <laughs> we just call that the uh, Moscow Metro. <laughs> well, yeah, they changed, they've changed it since the regime change. Uh, back in the early days of the internet, it was called Stalin tube. Uh, so, yes, this is, uh, it was good. I liked it. I'd give it a solid. I'd give it a solid tune in. Yep. If you can find it, watch it. Yeah, that's a tune in. You you won't find it unless like I don't know. You have some kind of. You can get like a DVD from nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. <laughs> you can get. It's not even a. It's not even labeled as a DVD. It's labeled as a DVD R. Oh. So you can rewrite it. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, get a, at least it's... new ending. Well, at least it's in TSC and not PAL. That's what matters. Yeah, very true. Um, yeah, you can. So, you, if you feel like tracking this down, if we, if what we've explained to you is uh, in, of interest, I would recommend doing so. Um, and yeah, that's that's about it for Dead Mountaineers Hotel, and that's about it for our bonus episode here. Uh, but hey, that's not all of the bonus episodes we got going your way. Um, what? Next time around on our TV Tuners bonus episodes, we're starting a new mini series where we're going what? to be watching uh, the program, the television program known as Gilmore Girls. Oh wow! I like Can't to title it. this mini series "The Gilmore, the Gilmarrier," <laughs> uh, and we'll see if that holds true when we when we start it. Uh, we're going to be watching five episodes of that. So for five weeks, we'll be doing this. That's right. Uh, and from there, who knows what awaits us in the magical world. But again, if you have something, the grim, yeah, the grim world of buy, uh, buy me a coffee subjects. Uh, again, if you have something that you want us to watch, talk about, listen to, uh, go over to buy me a coffee slash TV tuners. A single coffee will get you a single uh, topic or episode, I suppose, of us talking about that thing. So, uh, yeah, we'll be back next time with uh, the beginning of our Gilmore Girls series. Until then, keep mountaineering. (laughs) Bye. It's over. Spooky. Hey, folks. Time for the TV Tuners Denver Estonian Fact of the Year. Did you know that Stairmaster is a dead mountaineer? Ah!